You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. Through 25th weekend update of Movie Sucktastic. I'm coming to you Monday morning, April 26th. Now, normally I try to record this show Sunday night with the estimates. However, I'm recording Monday morning because Sunday night was spent at the Sean Philip Hines Esquire estate, um, an old friend of the show, where we were communing with him and just uh, kind of enjoying some bad movies and catching up on old times. We were originally going to record an episode with Sean Philip Hines. But that kind of gave way to watching a variety of films. Uh, for the most part, I think the highlights of the, of the evening were the Corey Haim self-promotional video shot in the 80s after his first drug bust, trying to sell himself back as an actor to the community. Uh, it looks like it was shot before, during, or after, just before, just during, or just after Dream a Little Dream. And uh, after that, we followed it up with a Gary Coleman safety video for kids, Mr. T's Be Cool or Be a Fool, or be yourself or be a fool, sorry. And then finally, Michael Manning's extremely disappointing film adaptation of F. Paul Wilson's The Keep, which came out in the 80s and pretty much ruined his career until he made it back by succeeding amazingly with Miami Vice, a TV show that is only referenced now as an iconic example of how bad the 80s sucked. So I I don't know how that revives your career, but it did for Michael, and uh, good for him. Great. So uh, instead, it's just uh, me. Uh, No Joey to be found. There is no Joey. I have taken over the show. Joey is no longer here. Now you're dealing... Joey was not paying attention. He was... Joey's busy. He's got other things going on. He's got a lot of of pots on the boil. So while he wasn't looking, I, I took the recording equipment. I've usurped the show, and now... You are listening to Movie Scott-tastic. So you might as well settle in, because it's just me for a while, and I'm going to be coming to you right now with the box office totals for the past weekend. (coughs) Excuse me. Coming up at the top is How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon, last week, if you remember correctly, was at number one for the estimates, but after the totals came in, Kick-Ass moved up to number one, bumping it down. So that was a kind of minor upset, and that, that pleased a lot of people. It pleased me. It upset other people who were kind of um, angry at the film Kick-Ass or, or didn't like the fact that it was uh, uh, gratuitous violence and had profanity in it. And there was a lot of negative stuff in the news about it leading up to the review, which only served as good publicity, apparently, because the film beat out 
How to Train Your Dragon, a kids film, a kids family film in 3D. And so even the 3D didn't help but beat it. And there, are, you know, after this weekend, there are there, after that little upset, there were a lot of people that were kind of annoyed and upset and angry that uh, a family-oriented 3D animated feature was beat out by a violent, brutal, dark comedy that included a 10-year-old girl saying the word cunt, which was apparently a big deal. And by revealing that, which was not really a a spoiler of any kind, I've also just assured us our mature rating for the show, which I'm going to try to do every show now. It's um, we've had some people comment that previous episodes have a mature rating on it, but we didn't really say anything profane or vulgar, and that gets annoying because you have to go back and change it. And then, you, and then ever, after every episode, well, were we were we profane or did we say anything that was really eliminates us from being a family oriented show? So just to cut out of it, cut out the uh, confusion and make life simpler. I'm just going to say something vulgar, profane or obscene every episode just to ensure that mature rating. So reliving that line from the movie does that fills that obligation and I can move on. So How to Train Your Dragon came in at 15 million. Uh all the numbers are really close this weekend. It's uh there's no I mean there are real winners obviously, but as we go down the your top 5 range is only from 15 to 9 million and all by you know the, the biggest gap is a couple of million it's like under three million between number one and number two, and these are all estimates. They can change coming coming later on today. Uh, number two is the backup plan. Uh, yet another example of Jennifer Love Hewitt showing how she can still draw an audience without having any kind of conceivable skill or talent or ability. And that came in at twelve million, roughly. Its uh, budget's thirty five. I think I think you can see a huge drop between this weekend and next weekend, people. Date night. Kind of holding strong, only dropped about 36%. Uh, that's more than made its money back. Uh, the more I hear about it, the more I hear people saying that the, the outtakes are the funniest part of the movie, which is always a bad sign for a film. You, you don't want your outtakes to be funnier than the film itself. You don't want the stuff you took out of the movie to be funnier than the stuff you left in the film. That doesn't bode well. So don't, don't, don't hear that and think, oh, maybe I'll go see it. Hear that and think, oh, the best part of the film is the DVD extra features. Why would you even go to the theater for that? Uh, two great performers, but may- maybe they'll get better films for the next round. Um, now, The Losers, which premiered th- this past weekend, came in at number four, only made nine million, nine and a half million, uh, budget twenty five. That's another one that's gonna, not going to do well. Now, I, I, I got to say, I think the big problem with The Losers is the, the trailers don't look necessarily bad, but it's an action film, but there's no real hook. There's nothing special in it that makes you think, oh, here's an action film that I want to see. It's just another action film. There's, there's really no gimmick that may, that really sets it apart from the rest, and I think it's uh, besides the decent directing, but a lot of, most of the action films these days are actually directed very well and have that kind of slow mo artsy style to it. And there's just nothing in the trailer that, that that motivates you to go beyond the well, maybe I'll see it sometime eventually, whatever. There's no you know there's no impetus to go see it in the theaters. So the loser is a big big loser in that respect. Um, uh, I'm not going to say the losers lose, but they losers didn't win this one. Uh, Kick-Ass came at number five. Now, that's a big drop. Kick-Ass dropped from one to five. But, again, re- realize that it's only under the losers by less than half a million. And it's only under the number three spot by less than a million. So these numbers could change. These, these positions could change when the when the actuals come in Monday evening. For all we know, Kick-Ass will jump up to number three or so. 
Uh, and it's just, I mean, the kick-ass audience dropped 50%, which is average for a second week of a film. It happens. You, you, know, you often don't see a film retain any kind of situation. Animated features are different. That's why How to Train Your Dragon came in at 25% less than last week. Because, again, children beef up the numbers, and so does, so does the 3D. The more people you get in 3D, the less the numbers drop. So uh, Kick-Ass, not a disappointment. It's already made its money back. And just making number one on the box office last week makes it a success. So don't listen to anybody hyping the, the drop in first to fifth place as any kind of disaster on Kick-Ass's part. They're surviving. They'll do nicely. Uh, number six was Clash of the Titans, which I was going to see at Becky's Drive-In. But uh, instead... Transfer it over to the other screen to catch Hot Tub Time Machine. So, have not seen that. Uh, that came in at nine million, still holding strong. One hundred twenty-five million a budget. It hasn't made that back yet. Death of a Funeral. Yeah, people are going to see that. Uh, that's made his money back. Just to goes to show, you, you know, you can re- you can remake another film, not don't add anything new to it, and just uh, rehash the same shit, and people will still pay to see it. So that doesn't bode well for the industry as a whole. Um, Oceans. I don't understand the whole nature film thing. I don't understand why people would pay to see in the theater stuff they can see on the Discovery Channel. So I, I didn't even cover it in last week's opening box office weekend, uh, to, um, upcoming week releases, because why bother? It's not a real movie. The last song, more schmaltzy nonsense, that uh, that came in at $3 million at number 9. Trailing at number 10, of course, is Alice in Wonderland, holding strong after two months. Another success for Tim Burton, so that means we're going to be subjected to more of his crap in the coming years. Now, I'm going to make a special mention of number 11, Hot Tub Time Machine, because I happened to see that last night. As I mentioned, I went to Becky's Drive-In. Now, Becky's Drive-In is in Pennsylvania. We're, we're currently trying to make Becky's Drive-In the official movie theater of Mystery Sucta- Movie Sucktastic, not Mystery Sucktastic. There's no mystery. They suck. But um, so we're working on that. The other theater didn't work out. This one we're trying. We haven't told Becky's yet. We're kind of we're going in covert. It's a special ops plan to take over Becky's as the official movie theater or movie sucktastic. Now you can go to Becky's website at b e c k y s d i Becky's d i dot com, and you can check out their their times, their upcoming shows, their events. You know, they sell souvenirs online. Just check them out. And uh, they have two screens, and they do double features each night, each week. And the double features this past weekend on screen one, on screen one, the bigger screen of the two was How to Train Your Dragon and Clash of the Titans. Screen two was Date Night and Hot Tub Time Machine. So what what you do is you go see How to Train Your Dragon on screen one. Then during the intermission, you hop over to screen screen two and catch the second half of that double bill. That way you avoid Clash of the Titans. Now, I wanted to watch Clash of the Titans to review for the show, but I've been dying to see Hot Tub Time Machine. Uh, I've, I've, been, I've been waiting ever since. When I first heard the title, I was like, okay, here's a, here's a shitty film coming out. And then the minute I saw the first trailer with John Cusack, way back when they just showed like a clip of the film for the trailer, I was sold. And I'm, I'm, I've been dying to see it ever since. The advertisement campaign, as, Jer- as uh, Joey pointed out, when they said... Um, now uh, available in 2D. You sold me on that alone. That's a great line. Now, I saw that excellent film that was hilarious. Uh, raunchy, ra- rude humor, of course. You've got to expect that. But it was a fun film. It was a comedy. Now, it's uh, in its fifth week, and it pulled in just under $2 million. N- Not that good. It's 11th place. 
But again, when you compare that, all the all the movies around it are making roughly the same. No big winner this weekend. Nobody pulled in twenty, thirty million this weekend. It's all lower end, um, and they've already made back their but their their budget of thirty six million. They're already over forty five million. They'll probably hit fifty before it trails away. They might hit fifty before it trails away altogether. Uh, it's not as successful as The Hangover, but it's nice to see another comedy that's really got people interested in seeing it. Uh, and it's not a big spectacle. It's not one of these two and a half hour epic romantic comedies with big name stars in it. It's just some, um, you know, John Cusack's a name, but he's not, I, I don't think you'd call him a big name straw. Maybe after 2012. I don't know. It's, it's, he's, I, he's definitely not a list. He's, he's a, he's a well-known actor. And I, I, I'm a big fan, but I wouldn't call him a list, but it's nice to see one of these low budget, just let's make a comedy comedies come out and there's enough support in it, enough interest in it to, to, to bring it back. It's budget to, to, you know, to make them make more. And like I said, it didn't do anything with anything close to hangover money, but it's it's uh it's it's making this cash there. But that's enough about the box office, all right? That's 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 it for the numbers. The numbers bore me. I I hate. I, we have to cover the numbers, but God, they bore me. This is just. Uh, I'm not here to make money. I'm here to talk about money. We're here to we're here to talk about films, not end results of box office intake. This is about movies, and and two movies coming out this upcoming weekend are. A Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake, and or reboot, if you will, and Furry Vengeance. Now, let's start with at least slightly promising. I'm not a fan of the reboot, and I'm not a fan of the remake. But I'm becoming less strict, less militant in my dislike of it over the years, because there are some good ones. I thought the Star Trek reboot was actually fairly good, um, while the Texas Chainsaw remake sucked. I actually did like the Hills of Eyes remake. I thought it retained the the feeling the the feeling and scope of it. Um, the Le- Last House on the Left I thought was a good remake, even though they did water down the intensity of the film a bit. It still almost stayed true to the original uh, in spirit. I have not seen the Friday the Thirteenth reboot yet, so uh, I've heard horrible things about it. So we're looking at the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, and I am very very hopeful about this. I think one of the, I think a couple of the things I really like is one the fact that Jackie Earl Hay Haley Jackie Earl there's too many E's in his name Jackie Earl Haley, the fact that he is playing Freddy Krueger now it's it's kind of sad that he's being pigeonholed in the the uh, pedophile I mean you know he was Oscar nominated for a role of a pedophile and now he's playing another pedophile, although the trailers kind of make it a, a, I've had some debates and I haven't I haven't like found any actual in-depth synopsis or reviews of the film. So I have nothing to refute this yet. But Joey, uh, my currently absent co-host, insists that it's possible that he's innocent in this one because they show the trailer where he's screaming, I didn't do anything! Now, the implication in this is that Freddy Krueger might not actually be guilty of molesting and killing young children. And if that's where they're going to go with the film, then it really defeats the point, because then why would somebody who's innocent and killed come back and actually kill children? I mean, there's there's supposed to be a level of evil involved here, and evil doesn't. And, and the level of evil that you need to actually take over the dream world and kill children probably doesn't come just naturally. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's got to be something built up. You, you're burned alive um, for a crime you didn't commit. I can't see you coming back and becoming the villain that you were claimed to be. So, but I don't think that's the way it's going to go. It remains to be seen. If anybody has any advanced knowledge of this, please let me know. Uh, email me at 
the movie guys at moviesucktastic.com. But I, I'm really hopeful about Jack Earl Haley. I think he's going to do the role great. I like the direction they took with the makeup, where they're trying to do a more faithful representation of a burn victim, which in, I, 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 it's, it's a good sign. They're trying to go for a darker, more realistic, and less, um, less uh, I don't know, Dream Warrior-y kind of Freddy 4, 5, and 6, and 9, or whatever. They're, they're trying to get back to what the original film was, which was less about one-liners and, and, and wacky special effects in Dreamworld, and more about killing kids, killing teens. Um, so I'm really hopeful about this. I, I think there's some good talent behind it, and uh, I, I'm really not looking to uh, lump it in with all the other bad remakes. I, I think it deserves a shot. I think the, the, the fact that Rorschach has, has come back to star in this film alone garners... Uh, a a viewing. I think I think it deserves to be seen. I'm I'm definitely going to try to catch it. Uh, also premiering alongside it, the polar opposite of a horror film, we have Furry Vengeance with um, Brooke Shields and Brendan Fraser. This is a uh, this is a uh, where sadness comes full circle, people. Um, I'm a I'm a Brendan Fraser fan. I, I I'm not one of the people that that knocks him for everything he's done. I thought he was good in The Mummy. I think he's a good actor with good comic timing. The problem is he uh, Blast from the Past. I thought was a great film. Unfortunately, the problem is he does do a lot of goofy kids movies, and there's a place for goofy family films and kid movies. I mean, Tim Allen's pretty much turned his whole career into that. Vin Diesel seems Vin Diesel and The Rock seem to be uh, coming up fast from behind on that one. Uh, Brendan Fraser. But it's just this film. It looks horrible. It it looks like you're just your typical. Um, let's. It, it looks like a bunch of staff writers wrote a comedy and they insert a bunch of juvenile humor that's really beneath even most adolescents. Uh, and the whole plot is ripped off from. Over the hedge, kind of. I mean, it's just the whole idea. The, the, uh, and a building developer is being attacked by animals who don't want them trespassing on the land. Uh, that was over the hedge, I thought, and I just, I, 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 it's not even anything new. And then you've got CGI animals involved, and that's just crappy. And it's there's there is no joy in Mudville for this one. This is not, this is not. There's not even a chance of this being remotely good. I, I have to say, and uh, therefore, for vengeance makes the fingerless for me. I, I would rather the fingerless comes out. I would rather chop off my little finger than actually sit in the theater and watch Brendan Fraser and Brooke Shields destroy their careers 10 minutes at a time in Furry Vengeance. So that's that's the wrap-up for that. I mean, there's really not much else to see. It's insane between the two films. Furry Vengeance, even just looking at the poster, just the poster alone, you can tell the film's going to suck. And Nightmare on Elm Street, everyone knows it, and you're either going to go to see it because you're interested in a remake, or you're not going to see it specifically because you're not interested in a remake, or you're a younger generation that doesn't even remember Nightmare on Elm Street, and this is your first viewing of it, therefore you have no real opinion regarding that. All you see is a scary film coming out that might be interesting. You know, nothing really revolutionary this weekend, folks. Uh, you may end up just going out to see uh, one of the older films, like Hot Tub Time Machine, or uh, Clash of the Titans, if you haven't, you know, if you're one of the ten people that has a D-Box theater near you. But other than that, you know, nothing, nothing sensational. Just kind of, most people are just kind of hunkering down, hankering down, hunkering, hankering, hankering. A lot of people are squatting. A lot of people are just kind of holding back and waiting for the big budget 
some releases that are being promised already. Now, they had some trailers at the drive-in, and I caught a little bit of Night, night and Day, but I didn't get the audio because it was on the other screen, and I was kind of peeking. The A-Team trailer, I'm sorry, that's looking good. And I was surprised to actually enjoy the trailer for the reboot of The Karate Kid. Now, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are going to be very upset or amazed or surprised at that, but watching the full trailer... And it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm an old Jackie Chan fan, and I'm very happy to see him in a film that at least uh, complements his abilities to an extent. And it's not just another medallion around the world in 80 days freak fest that just totally destroys what he used to be as as a film, as you know, as a filmmaker, film artist, uh, and martial artist. And I, I, like everyone else, I'm getting so tired of seeing Will Smith's son in films, and I really hate to say that I'm looking forward to seeing a a film with Will Smith's son in it. However, watching the trailer, I am very happy with the idea that, not that they're remaking Karate Kid, but that they've actually taken liberties to make it a different film instead of just redoing the same thing and trying to find a rough macho lookalike, what have you. They have basically lifted it and put it in another... Instead of like being a kid transplanted from one city to another, oh, I'm a new kid in school. Because, really, I mean, when you look back at all the 80s films and 90s films and even current films that surround the idea of a kid being new in school and this becoming a major problem in his life because he doesn't have any friends or anything, a lot of people have been the new kid in school and it doesn't really always end up at a martial arts tournament. And it's just kind of hard to uh, really push the alienation of a kid moving to a a new school where there's no real culture shock. It's just like a different place. You don't know anybody. So the idea that they've taken uh, Will Smith Jr. and his character, instead of just moving to a new town, moves to China, moves to a new country. And in doing so, has the culture shock and is an outcast and and being a a black child in China as well, even, you know... uh, increases that whole you know, uh, black child stuck in a white school, that kind of racial division. It, it even increases that further. So now he's also the only American in school. And it really just adds a new dimension to it. And, and, and it just makes more sense, too, to have Jackie Chan there. And you know, there's less of a, a weird weird coincidence of, oh, I just happened to walk, run into a martial arts master while I moved into a new town. He's in China. This is where martial arts masters go to die and live and play. So overall, I, just, I thought it was interesting. I think it's a nice approach. As a, you know, as a screenwriter, I really am impressed that somebody decided to make a leap like that, and I think it might improve the film a bit. And, and it looks like they're going to play on the, the old film without going campy and without doing any kind of direct references but instead, just when they when there's a couple of scenes in the trailer, like with the fly catching with the chopsticks and stuff, they're going to reference them, but not in a kind of uh, wink and nod way, but more in a okay, it's in this film, and it stands by itself for a new generation who never saw the original. But for those of you who saw the original, there's a little joke in here for you, but it's not dependent on that. It's not just a uh, in joke. It's not just a throwback. It's actually a it's actually a, a uh, integral part or at least a well-interwoven part of the film, and it's still part of it as normal. Uh, I'm babbling about that, but, I mean, it's just a good sign. It's a sign of good screenwriting, and you don't get a lot of that these days. I mean, anybody who's gone to see most of these films out there knows that's that's the case. Now, speaking of good screenwriting, 
I want to give a little quick review. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to give a quick review of it because I'm kind of running short on time here. I may do a separate review. I think I'm going to do a separate podcast just of a review of How to Train Your Dragon and possibly Hot Tub Time Machine. I'll do a little separate review capsule because I'm running up on a half an hour here and I'm trying not to go over half an hour. I just want these little uh, weekend updates just to be a little information for you guys on what's coming out, what you should look out for, uh, and what you should avoid, like the plague, which this case would be the the opening weekend of furry vengeance uh there's not much to, else to add to that um it's uh it's been a it's been a fun movie packed weekend i mean uh, the, the tomb of uh, the keep sorry not the tomb that's another f paul wilson adaptation but apparently might even suck more but the keep uh i'll probably do a review of the keep coming up soon too because that was interesting to watch uh, an early Michael Manning film. Uh, that it's really a, a nice, powerful first half hour. Tangerine Dream soundtrack, which was very prevalent and very uh, popular during the '80s. It's one of those films that the Tangerine Dream score is not even available. So watching the film is one of the few ways you can actually catch the score. Uh, that was interesting. I also caught uh, Mario Bava's Twitch of the Death Nerve, or Bay of Blood, or one of other '80 titles that it's known by. And uh, I'm going to. Tr- I want to try to get a review out that soon. I might do a little half hour review capsule for you guys coming up in the weeks. But at the moment, I'm just going to keep this under half an hour, uh, reminding you to avoid furry vengeance as if your life depended on it. And guys, give Freddy Krueger a chance. Give the new nightmare a chance. Let's not just because Jason sucked. Just because we're getting tired of the remakes. Let's not completely tune out this just because it's a remake. And because we're tired of it. I mean, again, every now and then, there's a remake that actually improves upon the original. I I still say that the Hills Have Eyes remake, in a lot of ways, underlines that point. Yes, the original still stands by its own. It still stands on its own. It's still a classic uh, filmmaking. It's probably one of the best films Wes Craven ever did. But the new film, instead of just copying the original, built upon it added more background to it, changed it a little bit, but still kept some of the brutality, kept the, the brutality of it. And even the, even the last house on the left did kind of the same thing, even though it watered it down a bit more than the Hills Have Eyes did. Uh, actually, I don't even think the Hills Have Eyes, the Hills Have Eyes did not water down the brutality. Last House on the Left remake did. Uh, not by much, but by enough where you really, it really didn't have the same spirit as the um, original. And you can... Uh, you can hear that in one of our previous podcasts. I think episode one or two we talk about that, about how the uh, it, it really just fell short of the the emotional and traumatic impact of the original Hills Have Eyes. Uh, but, for, but that's about it for this weekend. So, uh, How to Train Your Dragon number one, Kick-Ass number five, Hot Tub Time Machine number 11. Those are the highlights. Those are the films you should be seeing. And this is uh, Scott Wilson of Movie Scott-tastic. Ha, ha, ha. That's right, no Joey. Uh, this is Scott from Movie Stucktastic, just reminding you that film is made out of the same material as guitar picks. So for every copy of Furry Vengeance out there, that's millions of guitar picks being uh, denied the guitar players of the world. And that is a travesty. So uh, keep your eyes in the clouds and your hands out of your pants, and have a good week, and I will talk to you this weekend. Bye.